Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. I'm Haley. I'm Jess. And we're just catching up a little bit before today's episode with Case Kenny. Um, And I'll start it off with like really exciting announcements. Uh, Cactus and Co. was nominated for, well, actually awarded Business of the Year by the Chamber of Commerce. So I know we talked about this on a previous episode. So I just wanted to update you guys, let you know um, that we won that award, which was really fucking cool. So awesome. I, yeah, we did talk about the nominations. I mean, I knew you were guys were going to get it. I feel like I had no question in the back of my mind. But I'm super glad that you guys fucking did because you deserve it for sure. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I still need to like celebrate this win because I feel mm-hmm. like it like hit and then I'm like, okay, like move on. Um, but also kind of like, I guess it's a funny story. So um, for the awards, they had like an awards ceremony and like a luncheon. And then they announced the winners of the awards at this like lunch thing. And there was like 160 people there. Like, so many fucking people. And um, it was the third award that they gave out. And when they called Cactus & Co., I kind of, like, froze. Um, <laughs> and Dustin was there with me. And so I was – I almost made Dustin, like, go up and accept the award, like, by himself. And he's like, you have to come. Like, you have to come. And, like, everybody – the two people previously that had won the awards had, like, said something. Um, and I'm like, oh, fuck like I have to say something in front of this many people which I had kind of prepared for like I was I fully expected that like if I won I'd have to say something but I fucking I got so nervous and so anxious um and I just stood there and made Dustin take the mic and like (laughs) (laughs) and I it's just funny because Afterwards, he was like, it was like we were getting engaged all over again because (laughs) (laughs) it's very similar to like our engagement story. Like when he proposed to me, he did it on a stage in front of like a ton of people. But he told me we were like doing this contest on the stage and I like had to go up there. And I was like, I'm not going to go up there. Like and I was like looking for other people, you know, to go up there. And he was finally like, you have to come. Um, so it's kind of funny because he was like, it just felt like that all over. (laughs) (laughs) And then I felt anxious afterwards because I'm like, oh my God, I wish I would have actually like felt confident enough to like say something. Instead, I just like hid behind him. (laughs) (laughs) What did Dustin say? Does he, was he prepared for that or was he just like, oh fuck, like, and he just riled off whatever came to mind? Well, for one, he's like a way better public speaker than I am. Um, And I think he did just like rattle off whatever came to mind. He said like, thank you. And then he kind of was like, kind of like put the spotlight on me of like, like that I do a good job. Um, And so he just said, thank you. But afterwards I was like, fuck, I wish I just like would have like manned up and just done it. But I talked to my therapist about it this morning and she's like, well, what would you have done differently like next time? So I don't know, just kind of a funny thing. Something to think about though is like you are very much interacting with interacting with customers all the time, like doing the events and like actually working at the store and like you're always the one talking. So I feel like you shouldn't be too hard on yourself for like not being the one to grab the mic and like actually talk in that moment because that was Dustin's time to shine, you know? Like yeah, definitely. <laughs> like this is his strong suit. That's very true. <laughs> it's 
a good point. It's his contribution to the business. Yeah. And you guys are playing to your strengths, you know, like you're good at the social interaction in the retail setting and he's good at the public speaking. So like, I think it went perfectly. Okay. Perfect. Great. (laughs) That's why you're my best friend. Um, Yeah. I just had to share that because then I've just felt like anxious like since. So yeah. Yeah. I get that. There's nothing worse than like being in a public setting and getting nervous and acting a certain way and then afterwards being like, fuck, why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah. Because it's literally just you – you get so wrapped up and like, okay, I shouldn't have been like that or I should have done this and it's it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Well, there was – they took like a photo of all the winners afterwards but then people were taking photos during the event and like I saw an Instagram post that was like photos of people up there accepting the awards and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot – I don't even want to see the photo of me like standing up there. (laughs) It's like I feel embarrassed by it but yeah, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm very similar to you in the sense yeah. where I would be like, nope, I'm not looking at that. I don't want to see myself standing up there looking like a fucking idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like I know I was nervous. I know how I felt. Like, <laughs> don't need to relive it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Oh my God. You'd think that I'd be like more confident, like public speaking, but I think because of like the way I interact with people most of the time is like one-on-one settings or like on the podcast or like I'll talk Mm -hmm. on our Instagram stories, like things like that. Like it's not super social. I don't know. So kind of funny. Yeah. We did kind of create the podcast with one of the goals in mind being like, oh, we'll get better at public speaking if we do this. But in reality, I don't feel any better at public speaking because I just talk to you and it's like, that's comfortable to me. Totally. I mean, I guess when we have the guests on, it's a little bit more like public speaking in a sense because it's with somebody that I'm not comfortable with, but it is still very intimate. So. And we still get nervous as hell. Yeah. I am not meant to be like one of those people that travels the world, a motivational speaker. I would love to do that um, if I was a different person than myself. Yeah. Like, I think that's an awesome career. For me personally, I would never make it because I would be like throwing up and shitting myself before I get on stage every time. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's one podcaster and author that I follow that she does do public speaking and she's been very honest about her fears of public speaking and like debilitating anxiety that she has had. So it's actually, I mean, kind of like, I guess, inspirational for me because I'm like, I guess you could go from this like terrified to actually being able to do it. But one day, this was my first opportunity and (laughs) I didn't, I didn't do it. So it was always next year. I guess next year I might have to like present the nominees. So we'll see. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit easier. I feel like, cause it's not about yourself. Yeah. You know? Takes yeah. a little bit of the pressure off, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck, Fuck public <laughs> we'll speaking in general. I'll just be just... up there like sweating. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't wear light gray that day. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you? What do you got? Um. Good news. I am currently on my period and I've had barely any pain this period. I've, this is my third day that I'm on it. I think this is the first time I've like had this low of pain. The first day when it started, I had some cramps. Um, I took a little bit of like pamperin, but most of the time, 
like Pamperin doesn't touch my cramps. Um, I always I have these like Tiger Balm pain patches that I've always used. That so I usually take like a shit ton of Pamperin, the pain patches. I put those on my like uterus, um, and then I smoke a shit ton of weed to like numb the pain. Like there's so many things I usually have to do to even get like slightly comfortable. It doesn't take it away, but it's just like just enough Terrible. more comfortable. Yeah, to like keep me from fucking going to the ER because I don't know what else to do. So this was the first time I like barely used the pain patches. I haven't smoked any weed and I took Pamperin just like a few times. And I was like, holy shit. Like I am literally still bleeding right now and I wouldn't know it. And that has never happened to me before. Yeah. I'm like, so is do you think this is – like something you've been doing differently that's like helping or yes so I previously had mentioned the book woman code on here um the cycle sinking stuff and I've just been consistently doing the tips that she gives in that book for uh since June I think I skipped the month of July just because the breakup and all that shit that happened but (laughs) You know, it's been like a couple months that I've been consistently doing. And the main things that I've been doing is just the morning routine stuff. Um, Whereas like right when I wake up, the first thing I do is I drink 12 ounces of water, Um, usually like lukewarm water because cold water is like really rough in the morning unless you're super hungover, which I haven't been. Um. (laughs) I love ice cold water. I am not an ice cold water person. Oh, I could chug that shit in the morning like and it's so refreshing. Ugh, that literally makes me sick to think so. so weird. It is like alarming to my system to drink cold water in the morning. I can't do it. Um, but so water, 12 ounces of water, first thing when I get out of bed on an empty stomach. And then I eat only protein for breakfast. And I do that within 90 minutes of getting up. Um, so like nothing but straight protein. And so I so have like- probably about I don't know, 15 grams of protein every morning. So what kind of Um, things are you eating? Just like usually it's it's like a turkey sausage or pork sausage or beef sausage. Um, Most of the time I buy like the already like breakfast sausage at the store and I just throw it in the air fryer every morning. And so while I shower, it cooks and then I eat it. And it's just literally so easy and perfect and delicious. Who doesn't like fucking breakfast sausage? So good. Seriously, that's so I just alternate between like the type of meat and the sausage that I use. Um, and then waiting after I eat that protein breakfast to have my like first caffeine of the day. Like I used to be the person that woke up and like the first thing I did was drink my coffee full of sugar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like on yeah. an empty stomach. And then I'd be like, why do I have so much anxiety? And it's like, well, obviously, you have no food in your system. And you just drank 20 ounces of fucking coffee. Yeah. So um, those <laughs> were like, that. honestly, a, hu- a huge portion of her book was the breakfast and the water and like that protein in the morning before your caffeine. And it is, I literally made the world a world of difference for me. So, nice. so simple. I'm pissed that it was that simple. Because I'm like, how long have I been working with doctors to try to fucking figure it out? And I've tried so many different things. And like, I was going down like an endometriosis path. And like, my doctor's like, you should have exploratory surgery to like get endometriosis removed and shit. And like, now here I am like 
No pain. I just had to eat more protein for breakfast. Like what? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> we should almost, that would be a great guest for us to get as somebody who could talk about cycle syncing. I yes. think that would be awesome and really helpful. I'm sure for a lot of people who are mm-hmm. in your same shoes. I know yeah. I just need to be better about it overall. Like it's not that I feel like it really affects me like during my period, but energy wise, like I know like I'll have caffeine first thing in the morning and then I'm like sleepy in the afternoon mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. So yeah. And one thing I did also notice is that caffeine doesn't make me crash as often. I still have days where I feel fatigued after I have caffeine, but like caffeine used to really do nothing for me. And yeah. now it actually like gives me the energy I need without that crash or like the jitters. So that's been really awesome. Obviously, those people listening, I don't know if you just eating a protein breakfast is going to change things for you. Like, obviously, everybody's body is different. Um, you might need to do more work than that. You know, it might be more serious than what I'm dealing with. So take it with a grain of salt. But I yeah. do recommend the book. It's called Woman Code by Alyssa Vita. So, yeah. Cool. It's exciting for me. I'm yeah. So it's a total win. Total win. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. You're next. Uh, <laughs> well, I just thought something I would touch on is last week I had a drinking dream, which we did an episode on this. Um, but the dream, like, it just felt different. I feel like than most, like, drinking dreams, like, I don't know. I feel like I, in the dream, like, had decided that I was going to drink and then I was drinking and then like before I know it I was like wasted and then it was like too late but then I like felt like guilt and remorse for like having made the decision to even drink and then like you don't realize you're drunk until you're drunk so I'm almost four years into it and definitely still have these dreams every once in a while so I thought that was interesting. I think that makes sense though that like to still have dreams about something that was such like for lack of a better word, a traumatic, like, experiences in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I still have nightmares about when I was a cocktail waitress. I'm like, I haven't done that since fucking 2015, 2014. I still have those. I had one last night. (laughs) You did. (laughs) I still have them about the tanning salon sometimes. (laughs) So I think it's definitely, you know, something that was a huge part of like your transformation and like who you are I think probably pretty normal to yeah I guess now that I think of it too I feel like there was like two weeks ago probably because I have definitely been dealing with like a lot of anxiety lately like that's something that I've just really noticed um where me and Dustin were driving to dinner after work and I don't know why I just the thought that I had was like, oh, the one thing that's going to calm this anxiety would be like taking a shot of tequila. Like I can get a drink when I like go to this restaurant. And obviously that's not something like I plan to act on. Um, So I wonder if it kind of like was just like a refresher for me of like, hey, you can make this decision, but before you know it, like it's going to be too late, you know? So I guess I'll look at it that way. But yeah, I don't know. My anxiety is just like fucking through the roof and I cannot handle it lately. I do think, out. you know, dreams are your subconscious trying to tell you things and remind you of things. Um, I don't think they're always stemmed from 
shit that you've been thinking about during the day. Yeah. And different stressors and not that I they actually, make sense. Sometimes dreams don't fucking make sense at all, but like Yeah. Do you ever have <laughs> dreams? I can never explain my dreams. Um but do you ever have dreams where you're like crying in your dream and then you like wake up and you're really sad? I don't know if I've actually had that. I've had dreams I'm masturbating and then I've woken up horny. It's <laughs> kind of like the same thing. I don't think I've ever had a dream that I masturbating. <laughs> that is so funny. Masturbating or, like, having, or having sex in the dream. Yeah. Most of the time there's another person involved. That's funny. Maybe. But I don't know if I've ever had a like a crying one that I that I can remember at least. Obviously, it's hard to remember all your dreams, but yeah. Well, I can never like Dustin. I said that to Dustin, and he was like, "What were you dreaming about?" And I'm like, "I don't even know how to explain it." But basically, it's like everybody hates me. <laughs> like oh. I feel like that's like the gist of it, and then I'm just like sad. Um, but then I wake up just like feeling that way too. So. I often, like, wake up from dreams and the feeling that I had in the dream lingers. Um, so it was last night. I don't remember what my dream was now while I'm thinking about this, but I had a really terrible dream last night. And when I woke up, I was, like, you know, for a good hour, I was, like, kind of, like, whoa, like, now I'm in a weird mood because of, like, that dream. Mm-hmm. And, like, I need to get myself out of this funk because, like, it was just a dream. Like, let's yeah. not let that ruin the day. But yeah, I mean, I think that's that's normal. I know. We mm-hmm. need that. That's another episode we need to do. Somebody. Who I know. Knows I've been wanting to do dream. a dream. I've been wanting to do a dream episode, I feel like, for so long, but I don't know any like dream experts. I want to like talk to somebody that studies dreams so bad. We need to find them. Yeah. We'll if you're listening them. to this and you know somebody, please let us know. Yeah. DM us. I would get so hyped about that episode. I would have so many fucking questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, anything else going on for you? Um, yes. So some I know what exciting, you're gonna say now, I think. <laughs> exciting news. Um, if you can't tell, I'm in a really good mood. <laughs> She's smiling with her hands under her chin. <laughs> I officially booked a trip to Denver to see the guy that I previously mentioned who lives over on the East Coast. So in three weeks, I get to go to Denver to hang out with him for a couple days. I'm super, super excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Oh, man. I know. I mean, it could be the start of something like really exciting or else it could just I mean, it could not be. I know. And that's the scary part is like, you know, this could crash and burn and it could end up with me, you know, devastated and fucked up from it. But there's like literally no part of me that wants to hesitate. And that's the weird thing. Yeah. No, I I definitely don't think that you should at all. I think it's just I would have I would have never expected to like meet somebody that meet somebody one time they live across the country and for anything to ever have like came from that. Like I would have never expected them to like captivate me in the way that that he has, you know what I mean? Like how like staying interested 
Totally. When they're all because like physical touch is like a very big thing for me, and like mm-hmm. obviously that has not been part of this like at all. Yeah. So that's like very strange to me because I'm like this is like purely just an emotional, emotional. mental connection, which is awesome. I've just I've personally never had that before, so this is very new. Um, and yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, that'll be a fun life update episode to do. Yes, and then after Denver, I'm flying back to Seattle, back to Haley's in Camino Island. Yes, Waffles is going to be so excited. To I'm see so you. excited to see Waffles. <laughs> so I'll be back in Washington for the week of Thanksgiving, which I'm excited about. I feel much better about this Washington trip than I felt about my one in July when everything went up in flames of my life. So, yeah, that was probably not the best time. <laughs> That was just more anxiety and stress than it was enjoyable. So this time we'll actually be like, okay, I can like breathe and like be in a good mood and enjoy this. Yeah. And maybe see a few more people. And Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that'll be good. um, Another thing that I realized recently was, okay, so you know how I was, we talked about this in other episodes how I was struggling with this like whole hermit mode thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first off, me talking to this guy has really helped that because it's distracted me from like needing Going to go out. out on dates and like get social interaction because I've like been virtually hanging out with him. So that's nice. Um, but the other thing I just recently realized is I'm like, I have so much shit to do that I realistically shouldn't even be leaving my house. I have my fucking job, which has been crazy lately. You know, I'm an executive assistant for a CEO. Like, work has just been crazy. I have so much I need to do for that. I have this podcast that I, like, put time into and, like, I do that. Yep. Then I have the graphic design stuff that is, like, half hobby, but then I also had two people reach out to me in the last week asking me to do a logo for them. So now I have two, like, logos I have to design for people. Well, that's funny that you're back to doing logos. Yeah. Well, I think they already knew that I did it in the past, so they needed them. They were like, hey, do you still do this? And I was like, I mean, I don't not do it. So Well, you totally designed Cactus & Co.'s logo. (laughs) I just got all of your services for free. (laughs) (laughs) Well, technically, somebody paid me at the time. (laughs) So That's great. You just got to benefit from them. Yes, all the benefits. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, I have so much shit to do. And then I have three people who want me to make like digital print designs for them too. So I'm just like, okay. Like I literally should not leave the house. I have so much shit I need to do. What am I, what am I even worried about? It's not like yeah. I'm sitting here bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I'd say that's a good realization. It took you a while to figure it out, but that's okay. It's <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, it did take me a while, but I'm here now. I'm enjoying it, and I just think I'm just going to chill until I go to Denver. Good. I'm excited for you and excited to see you. Yes, I'm so excited to see you, too. I can't wait to <laughs> hug you. Yeah. It's nice that you can like stay here when you come into town. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like this is one of my favorite parts of you like living somewhere else is that (laughs) is like when you come home. (laughs) It's exciting. (laughs) And then obviously the dog is thrilled. So 
I no, get it's fun. We her. get to like have our little like roommate moment again every mm-hmm. time I come home. It's so totally. so fun. Totally. Um, speaking of the dog, I just wanted to share this before we get into today's episode. So this last weekend, me and Dustin went and stayed with a friend of his's place in Cannon Beach, and we took the dog with us because we road tripped. So it was like a five-hour drive to Cannon Beach. Um, but let me fucking tell you, owning a dog is so humbling. <laughs> like, so it was we got there really late on like Friday night and then there was another dog there, just like a little wiener dog. Um, but then on Sunday we were planning to leave on Monday on Sunday in the morning, waffles wakes up and decides she's just going to puke like four or five times at this guy's house. She pukes on the couch, she pukes on the rug. And then she also just like puked on the tile. Um, so we ended up like having to leave early, but that is the fucking worst thing ever. And then and then when we got home, though, I realized I think she was just, like, really anxious. And I don't think she, like, relaxed at all. Um, because when we got her home, even after the five-hour car ride, like, all she did was sleep. Like, she just mm-hmm. was, like, passed the fuck out, which is kind of unusual for her. Like, I figured she would have had a lot of energy after the car ride. Um so yeah, that was rough and we probably won't ever travel with her again. <laughs> no, you got to. You have to do it again so she gets used to it. That was your guys' yeah. first trip. Like yeah. You know, that doesn't it really does not surprise me like her puking or being that tired afterwards. I feel like that's so normal for a dog that's like hyperactive and like anxious and in yeah. an unknown environment, completely new, not used to not hasn't been to that place but also hasn't been on a long car ride like that so yeah well and then being around another dog like all the time too she just was probably on high alert me and Dustin we were talking about it and we were like she probably didn't even sleep at night I we feel like we'd wake up and she'd be like kind of wandering around the room so Mm -hmm. I just felt like really bad for her when we got her home I was like oh poor girl you could get her those little all-natural treats that yeah. I used to give to my dog um, that I had with my ex when he had surgeries that kind of makes him chill. Yeah. I forget what those are called, but they're all natural. So they're not like dangerous at all. Yeah. But- we had actually talked about it before we got her in the car and then we just didn't get it. Well, anything, obviously you so. hadn't done it before either. So you didn't really know exactly what she was going to be like. Yeah. But maybe you could like next time you go on a trip, bring those and then if at night if she's not sleeping give her one you know so that she'll actually sleep and like chill out or I don't know might be useful just to have them to just in case on another note Cannon Beach is so freaking pretty like I honestly like I love like going to the beach when it's sunny but there is something about like a chilly beach that is so peaceful to me I fucking love it so Really I nice. don't agree with that statement, but I, I know you am happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's about it. I do agree that Cannon Beach is absolutely fucking beautiful. I I've only been there once, but I like I still think about it randomly. I'm like, oh, that time I went to Cannon Beach was so pretty. Yeah, there's just so much beach, and it's like sandy, and yeah, just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, we ready to get in today's episode and do a little introduction of who we've got coming on? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. 
All right. So today's guest, we've got Case Kenny. He is a Chicago-based writer, podcaster, and recording artist with 8 million downloads and honors as an Apple Top 30 podcast, Top 100 Mental Health Podcast, iHeartRadio Top 10 Podcast as well. Case has made a name for himself as a mindfulness thought leader, and his passion for growth and introspection grew even bigger in 2020 with the release of his music slash mindfulness DJ collaborations. He's coming to us from Chicago, virtually, of course. Wish we could do this in person. So you're like a successful writer, podcaster, and recording artist, right? Do you have any other things that you do besides those? <laughs> uh no, that's all I do. Um, no, I mean, I, that's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's tough to describe what I do. I, I, I say I share my feelings for a living, which I say that kind of ironically and, you know, uh, cleverly, I suppose. But, you know, you know, writing, you know, podcasting, making music, like those are my passions anyway. And it's, you know, a, a privilege and lucky to say that those are also my like career title. Um, so I'd say at this point in my life, like those are the things that really matter to me that I enjoy doing outside of normal human things. Um, but those are the things that, you know, really light me up and get me excited to to live my life. I think that's so true, though, because like out of like many of guests that we've had, it's always so hard for people to describe exactly what they do, because like people's jobs these days include so many different varieties, so many different things, podcasting, writing, like you make music too. Like there's so many different things. What do you call yourself? You just call yourself a man of many talents, I guess. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, I think we're all wired to want to have like titles and like one word things to describe what we do. And I think that's, you know, humans, we want to find some, you know, universal words that describe us. So people can be like, oh, now I get it. But you know, it's great that here we are in, you know, 2022, 2023, and there's so many different ways to make a living or describe yourself. So I think it's cool that that's the fact. Um, but yeah, it was easier when I was younger and I just worked in sales. So I could be, I could just say sales and people were like, oh, all right, well, that's boring. But at least, you know, at least people could, you know, uh, recognize what I did. So. Well, we definitely want to start off by like diving into kind of how you came to be all of these things. Um, I feel like a lot of people have maybe like a turning point in their life where they ended up in this like, I kind of need a change of pace. I need to dive into something else, maybe dive into a hobby that they were passionate about. And then it kind of blew up into something that they didn't really expect. I don't know if that's kind of what happened with you. But if you want to talk about like where you were in sales before and then how you got here. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what happened. Uh, so I'm 34 currently, um, you know, for the past decade, uh, basically worked in advertising and advertising sales here in Chicago, hopped around from a couple agencies, um, started doing sales, ended up at this one company, worked there for eight years, worked my way up from, you know, account executive to regional vice president, uh, you know, you know, selling, selling advertising. And uh, it was great. It was rewarding. I learned a lot. Um, but there was a point in 2018, where um, I was basically just kind of just like, I was 28, 29. And I was basically like, man, is like, 
am I going to look back and be like, I regret the the course that I stayed on. I regret some of the goals that I set for myself. I regret the type of people that I dated, the relationships I was in, all those kinds of things. And I would just kind of, you know, call it a quarter life crisis. I don't even, I don't even know. But at the time I was like, I'm frustrated that I don't have good answers for those questions. Basically, of why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because it's expected of me? so on and so forth. And I'm a pretty type A person. And I was like, I need to figure out answers to those questions. So I, I landed on the podcast as a thing to do to, to answer those questions. And that's basically the, the genesis of everything from there. I just started to, doing the, to do the podcast as a means to challenge myself as kind of like my own therapy. And then, you know, lo and behold, through that process, a lot of people started to really enjoy it. Um, There's a lot of relatability towards what I was saying. And then, you know, fast forward five years later, um, and, you know, now I, I do that for a living. But it, it came from a very organic place. I always say that the podcast is for me, and then it's also for other people. But um, it always started It started that way. And then, you know, I think I got a little bit lucky with the timing of, you know, starting to get into podcasting maybe a little before it kind of really hit its, hit its peak um, in 2018, being a little bit early and, you know, kind of, you know, approaching the content in the way that I did. And, you know, then through that process, I realized what I was doing on these episodes is I was practicing mindfulness. And then, you know, I kept pulling on that string and that opened up a lot of different doors and my eyes to, you know, the world. And I started to write these books and these journals and post things on, on Instagram and, you know, things kind of changed from there, but it all started with that being just like, I need to figure my why out, uh, in life. And I chose the podcasting to do it. Had never had any desire to get into wellness or self-help or even mindfulness. Didn't even know what those things were. Didn't care too much. But then I think just through the process, I realized how practical these, these topics are. And now it's, you know, a gift and a privilege to be able to just share my feelings every week. And, you know, it helps me and it helps other people. And, um, you know, it's crazy how much can change over a you know brief amount of time. Five years isn't that much. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the, the, the long, short story. So 2018, you started the podcast. What was the very first thing you recorded about? Do you remember? Ooh, uh, I don't. I would have to look at episode one. It's it's so funny because I've done uh, today was episode four four forty something four fifty done four hundred fifty wow. episodes so it's that's wild it's just yeah <laughs> the great thing about life is of course there's so many different things to talk about and react to um, I'm assuming whatever I did in episode one and two was relevant at my at that time in my life and I had some kind of epiphany that I thought would be valuable. Um, I, I will tell you, it definitely wasn't about dating because I didn't do dating episodes until episode 69 because I'm a child. Um, I, waited, <laughs> I, waited, I waited 69 episodes to do that. But so it was probably something about confidence or self-esteem or something like that, whatever I was kind of wrestling with. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> no, one thing I noticed looking back at your Instagram page, because you share a bunch of quotes on your Instagram, like post-its in the city, which I think is really cool. But I noticed that you started sharing those right in like, it was like March of 2020. And I was curious if it was really like the start of the pandemic that that came about or was the timing just coincidental? I'm kind of curious like how that got started and why. Yeah, I mean, COVID was one of those things where obviously it kind of reset a lot of people and I just had a lot of time on my hands and a lot of time to do and to think. And on the thinking front, I was at a point where I was like, man, you know, I've had some good success with the podcast. It was two years in and I was like, man, maybe it's time to go all in with it. Maybe I should stop treating it like a hobby. Maybe I should stop saying, oh, it's just something fun I do on the side. Maybe I should take it seriously. 
was like, all right, well, then what do I need to do? I was like, well, obviously, you know, you need to start thinking about social media. And uh, I was like, all right, well, that's interesting. And then, you know, having a lot of time on my hands here in Chicago, I was like, well, I mean, the easy answer, of course, on social media would be to post quotes. Who doesn't Mm -hmm. post a good inspirational quote? It's great. But I was like, man, yeah, I could easily fire up Canva or Photoshop or something like that and, you know, create a little square and and call it a day digitally. I was like, man, I just feel like there would be something more to it to create it tangibly on like on something. So I started writing it on coffee cups because I was like, man, we all carry around coffee cups. And then I was like, well, I am in Chicago, which is a great city. It's a beautiful city. It's pretty recognizable. Why not bring the the ethos of inspirational quotes from the digital into the into real life? So I just started to do that. And I think the, the timing aligned in the sense that everyone was at home, everyone was on social media. It was kind of a new thing. I know a lot of people now write on quotes on pieces of paper and things like that at the time. I didn't really see anyone else doing it. So I think I got lucky with that too, just a cool medium. And uh, yeah, just, you know, again, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I was just walking around Chicago, posting post-it notes, doing arts and crafts as a, you know, 33 year old dude. Uh, but yeah, it started to work and then got a lot of shares and, and things like that. But yeah, um, you know, it was kind of a combination of being like, all right, I want to make something of this idea I've had. And then also just the timing was like, all right, plenty of, plenty of time to think and actually execute. Cool. So when you go out, do you like leave the post-it notes out there wherever you take the picture? Sometimes I do. The majority of the time, no. Um, just because I have a vision for creating a, like an art installation. So I keep them all. They're all in a box. Oh, okay. All, all the cups, all the, all, everything. Um, sometimes I do if I'm, I'm feeling groovy. But Chicago is a windy city. Like literally. They'll just get <laughs> blown true. down. So I could turn my back and 10 seconds later it's on the ground. And I, I don't know. So – uh, I kind of I hoard them if anything. <laughs> I keep them all. They're, they're my friends. I can't I can't let them go. That'll That's be cool. really cool though to like do an art installation of that. That sounds like a really awesome idea. If you yeah. can't leave them because they'll get blown away. That's the that's the that's what I say. I don't know. I'm sure they will get blown away. But yeah, I do have a vision for creating uh, something with it. I mean, I have a full box. It is a large box. It's I don't know, you know, four by four by four or something. It is a big box and it's filled with these things. I've written a lot over the years, so. Someday I will do something with it. That's awesome. Um, how often do you put out new podcast episodes? Do you have like a structure to that or is it just whenever you're feeling like you got shit to say? Or <laughs> Well, if that was the case, I would release it every day. I feel like I have thoughts and feelings uh, all the time. Uh, no, I release it twice a week, Monday and Thursday. I've been doing that for four and a half years um, okay. and it works really well. Now now the podcast is uh, on the SiriusXM radio uh, network, so I have to stick to that schedule. But I always felt it useful to you know start the week with an episode and then give people like a midweek episode. Um, and it worked. it's always worked well for me, so I've just stuck with it that's impressive <laughs> Haley and I struggle to get one episode out a week <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's the toughest thing in the world and it's tough especially as you're growing and like you know you need inspiration and incentive to keep going um I don't know but like to my point earlier it's like doing these things is so intrinsically tied to like myself and my worth and like the the value I get from it that even if no one listened I would still get something from it so it's just like it's like it's like, you know, taking a shower. It's like eating. It's just like, I just do it. Like you just do it because you need to do it. Um, and I don't really think, I don't think anything of it. And plus I've gotten in a pretty good groove where like I have, I have so many ideas and I have a Google doc that's like 300 pages long of just ideas. <laughs> and I think my talent in life, I think everyone's been given talents. My talent is I can give myself a prompt 
something. Um, and you know, I can sit down and in like 40 minutes I can write maybe like 3000 words, 4,000 words. Um, and it's pretty decent. And, uh, then I just go and record from there. Um, Damn. so that, that makes it easy for me. And obviously not everyone can do that, but like, that's my talent. And you won't find that listed on any official talent sheets. Um, it's not as cool as being a great athlete or whatever, but uh, it works for me. And it allows me to, you know, come up with ideas, sit on them for a while, and then sit down and get serious about it and then create an episode. Sounds like a pretty efficient fucking talent to me. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, get shit done. The old Case Kenny content factory over here. It worked, it worked <laughs> overtime. Yeah, it worked well. So when did you think of like making uh, the first journal or was it a book or a journal that you made first? First one was a journal. Um, yeah. I mean, I had that idea for a while. I was actually talking to my buddy earlier today who runs a, a pretty successful fashion brand. And I was telling him, I was like, man, I had this idea for a journal for a while, but I kept talking myself out of it because I was like, there's a million journals. Tim Ferriss had a journal. There's a bullet journal. There's a five minute journal. Everyone's got a freaking journal. This is in 2018. <laughs> no, no, no. This is in 2020. And I was like, well, who am I to create another journal? Does the world need another journal? And that was such a limiting, idiotic mentality to have. I wish I can go back and slap myself in the face um, politely, respectfully, of course. And I just, yeah, for a while, I just like, like, who am I to create a journal? And eventually I snapped out of that. And I was like, well, I'll create a journal that I would want to use um, because I had wanted to get into journaling for a while. And I had bought a bunch of journals and I didn't like them for me. Um, they were either uh, basically empty journals that were like, design your own journal, get, you, know, you know, do stream of consciousness journaling, and I'm too ADD for that. Or they were way too like in your face, like do this in the morning, come back at lunch, do this, then at night do this. And I was like, man, I am more stressed out journaling than I would be otherwise. So anyway, I was just like, I want to create a journal that I would use. That's a mix of prompts and empty space and white space and simplicity and some quotes and this and that and the other. So I just did that, and that was the genesis of the first journal. And then again, COVID, I launched it in January 2020, and then COVID came right around, and there, you know, seemingly was a demand for wellness products, and I sold out of them very, very quickly, um, and then, you know, started to really think about w what other areas of life people wanted. They want clarity in their dating life, in their personal life. They want help with their anxious thoughts. They want help with closure. They want help with dating. So I just started to, you know, basically turn everything I learned on the podcast into digestible prompts uh, in the form of journals. And now I'm, you know, doing more, you know, full book writing and like book slash journal concepts where it's like half journal or it's like 80% book, 20% journal where I write a chapter and then help you, you know, really cement understanding in your life through a prompt or something like that. But it all started with kind of breaking free of that imposter syndrome. And then, you know, um, you know, people were so kind and so supportive and, you know, um, the journals work. So, you know, just kept kind of, again, pulling on that thread of inter what interested me and what works for me, for myself and what it works for other people. And here we are, you know, six journals later. I can relate to the journal struggles a lot because I feel like I own 50 different journals and I've probably filled out like one page of each of them and then given up on it. Yeah, I feel like so. very relatable. So I appreciate your view on that. I might have to check out your journal and see if it see if it works better since you had that same view of them. <laughs> Let's see. Yes, that the that's the ultimate test. And then from journals, you started doing. I don't know if you call them like musical meditations. Yeah. So uh, I call them dance music meditations. Um, okay. I call it music and mindfulness, whatever you want to describe. I, ho I host a radio show called Zen Disco, where I basically I mix together dance music and mindfulness. Um, 
I've always loved dance music, house music, EDM, whatever genre you wanna you wanna call it. Um, but yeah, I started to do these mixes just on my own because I, I produced a DJ and I would basically put together a set and then kind of in the interludes, uh, in between mixing tracks, I would drop in with, you know, some thoughts, you know, basically taking the idea of a DJ set where most DJs will pay, you know, play like 40, 50 minutes. And then, you know, sometimes they'll hop in and be like, talk about the track or talk about their upcoming touring schedule. I was like, wouldn't it be cool? if it was mindfulness instead because what greater connection is there than music and mindfulness like music has the ability to put yourself in a very vulnerable honest headspace and i personally find um somewhat of a struggle with classic meditation i'm just not you know it just hasn't really worked for me and obviously you need to practice to get better at it but i was like man maybe combining upbeat music not calming soothing clear your mind type music very upbeat music you know 128 beats per minute type music um so i started gravitating towards there and i started to do these mixes and those started to do really well and then i started to reach out to different djs and producers um to you know do collabs with them i've, I've done some with martin garrix and, and griffin and, and cheat codes and folks like that in the in the music space um and it's just been really cool to see for one my passion of music come together with my passion for mindfulness but also to see people really gravitate towards kind of a new different medium of it's not even meditation it's more just like the music puts you in a vulnerable headspace the mindfulness gives you gives you something to consider and you can work out to it you can run to it you can walk to it you can groove to it whatever you want to do but it's just you know filling that empty space of interludes with some intentionality and uh it's just cool it, i just think it's cool like i just love music i love mindfulness um i find it difficult to not do things that i'm interested in and uh so i've just kind of thrown all my creative weight behind it and and it's pretty cool to do i think that's awesome because like i've tried so many times to do meditations and i feel like the calming music just makes my mind race more because there's like not enough distraction for my mind whereas like when i listen to music I'm so focused on like the beats and stuff like that and like the actual rhythm of the music. And then like when I'm my best creative self, I'm listening to the most upbeat music and like coming up with like the best ideas. I'm not listening to like slow, calm, yeah. reminding me to breathe music. <laughs> uh, like, same. Makes sense. Same. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of science and studies done on like flow state and things like that. And it has a lot to do with progression and repetition with music and that can certainly be done on the slow melodic side, but I think it could be done better on the, you know, upbeat energy driven uh, side. And, you know, dance music in particular is built around a basic structure, break, build, drop. And, you know, when you can do that with a good melody and good repetition, and I just think it works really, really well. Um, you know, I, I sometimes think I drink my own Kool-Aid on that, on that too much. Cause I really do think that concept of music and mindfulness is like the next big thing, but we will see, but I enjoy doing them. Yeah, well, it's very original, too. I love that you're taking yeah. the things that you love and mixing them and then finding out how they're beneficial to other people. I just think that that's so cool. I love the originality of it, too. Um, I'm curious, where so where can people access these meditations? Is it through your radio show? Yeah, so sometimes, so yeah, I need to get better about that. Sometimes I'm doing them on the podcast, like for the bigger episodes, you could just scroll through the podcast and you'll see it's like Martin Garrix or, or Griffin. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's called Zen Disco and it's on like SoundCloud and, and everywhere else. It's just a separate show. Um, okay. And I do those episodes. Okay, cool. I can't wait to check it out. Thank you. Okay, so I want to get into the nitty gritty stuff now, the dating and relationship stuff. 
because this is the kind of shit I love to talk about because it's so yeah. fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's okay, so, so fucked up. <laughs> All right, maybe just my dating is fucked up. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, okay, so I've listened to a couple of your podcast episodes, and I actually wrote down a few things um, that I heard you like talk about that I know I wanted to talk to you about. Um, one of those things was it was episode four thirty six of yours, where you talked about step one and step two standards. Or no, the key to higher standards, I think, was the episode name. But you talked about, like, step one and step two standards, which I had never heard this type of reference before. So I super appreciated it and thought it was really, really cool and informative. But one thing you said in it was compatibility is not about who compliments you. It's about who understands you. And that, like, is such a simple quote, but it was so mind-blowing for, like, me. I felt like it was so amazing to hear because there's some things where you, like, like that sounds like okay yeah that makes sense but until you actually hear somebody else say it out loud you don't technically follow that rule when you're looking for other people <laughs> guilty of myself but yeah so um but I wanted you to kind of talk about these step one and step two standards because I thought that that was a really interesting take yeah well I mean to your point like that whole episode and really everything I, I talk about, it's all just one big cliche, but they're all true. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do to your exact point is I try to dress it up, say it in a different way that maybe this one final way is the, the way that it makes sense for someone. Maybe you, maybe me, maybe someone else. So, you know, I was thinking about standards, you know, what a ubiquitous topic, you know, have high standards. Yeah, great. Fantastic. <laughs> But then we're, we're living in, in real life and it's not that simple. It's very, there's many distractions. So, you know, the, the, the joke that I always tell people is I say, you should only date people you like. And it's like, well, duh. But the reality <laughs> of dating is we get so distracted. We get distracted to the quote by compliments. We think someone compliments us. We immediately throw down our guard because we mistake we, any, any number of different ways. We mistake a compliment for compatibility. We mistake someone being nice for compatibility. We mistake someone, you know, being consistent with compatibility where, and these are all basic, basic things. Like that is where the bar should be. But of course life is life. And we either have very negative prior dating experiences that have made us forget that, or, you know, just through perception of what dating is, we, we have come to have the bar so low that when someone does a very basic thing, likes you, compliments you, shows up to dinner on time, schedules dates, whatever, we mistake that for being like the ultimate prize. And of course, like we should never take those things for granted, but like those can't be, that can't be it. So the reason I did that episode is that is part of it. That is step one, but step two has to come from that. So I was trying to think of corollary things, right? Like someone who compliments you is great and you deserve that. But what do you really deserve? You deserve someone who understands you on a deeper level. Like, and then I made all these examples of, you know, someone, you deserve someone who, you know, makes plans, but also carries through with them. Someone who makes promises, but actually keeps promises. Step one and step two, just to provide the example to maybe break through our brains that are only seeing one thing and thinking that's enough because we've set the bar there. Whereas the reality is not through hubris or narcissism. You deserve more than that because you think about your own behavior Hopefully, you hold yourself to both step one and step two, saying but also doing. And if that's the case, then of course you deserve that in a partner. So just a different way of telling people to 
date people that they like um, in a way that is truly uh, reciprocity driven, but is also more than just surface level. Um, and that's the kind of the way that I positioned it. Step one, yes, step one is great, but there has to be a step two to follow. Otherwise, you know, you're just meeting the bare minimum. And do you deserve the bare minimum? Uh, well, yes, but you also deserve more. And the reason you deserve more is because you yourself are willing to give more. And that is the, always the reason behind receiving the same more in return. So yeah, that's my long-winded way of describing that. But just a simple way to talk about having high standards and why. Like, why should you have standards? That's why I think, frankly, we get so lost in the sauce of dating sometimes is we forget why. And when we don't have a why, yeah, that's when we're willing to lower the bar or forget certain things or rush or whatever it may be. Coming back to why can be really, really powerful. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot because I feel like there's been times where I've gone out with somebody and like, it's a nice person, you know, they, they've met all of those step one standards, but there's, it's never gotten like past that. And I'll like still hang out with them. And then I finally get to the point where I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. Like, what am I doing? Like, yes, they text me and they show up and, you know, they make plans, but like, this is so surface level and like, there's never any diving into anything deeper. Like this person is complimenting me literally, but like nothing, absolutely nothing else. They're not understanding who I am. They're not like actually meshing with me well. So I I really appreciated that episode, just so you know. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, like those are like in my life, in my day and experience, those are the easiest breakups for me just because it's like hey this was really great but just like we're just not at a deeper level and that is it there's nothing wrong we just we don't have that level there but the only way to know that that level exists is to define very clearly how you want to feel which is a very ambiguous area to explore right because we confuse a lot of things in life like feelings that aren't really yours and, and so on but like if you can sit down and say like here's how i want to feel and you could define that well then you can create step two standards that that come from that um and the one that I always come back to is like wanting to feel understood. I think that is an integral part of a relationship. And some people just aren't wired to understand you and that's fine. And you know, you could take that as far as you can, but at a certain point you're going to have to get honest about what is important to you in a relationship. Is it compliments? Eh, maybe some, honestly, some, some people that's very important and, and that's all they really need. And that's great. But hopefully they've done the, the work to sit down and say that is what they want and that's good enough for them. But if not, then yeah, you have to really, yikes, but then you have to sit down and uh, really define what those step two look like for you. That actually just reminded me of um, the new Love is Blind season that's out. Have you ever watched that show? I have never watched the show, but I know a couple <laughs> of the people that have been on it. Um, <laughs> the new season that was out, there was a, a girl in it where she literally told one of the guys, she was like, I just like compliments. I only need surface level. And he was like, Okay, well, then I don't want to propose to you. <laughs> broke you gotta, off with her. But she though, was just like, like, that's all I need. Yeah. Kudos to her. I mean, if she's being being truly honest with yourself and she's not actually just saying that, like, good for her. Like, yeah. Good. But yeah, it's kind of wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but she was very, like, you know, yeah, honest and open about it. She's like, that's, that's all I need. If it's not going to work for you, then, you know, keep looking. Simple life. He was like, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> compliment a day that's it man all right which is she actually ended up getting engaged so she clearly broke through that barrier maybe with somebody oh. else i don't know but either that or the dude had just had a rolodex of compliments ready ready for her <laughs> and that, that was good uh, and maybe he only needs surface level too i don't know who knows but there you go 
Um, another thing that you have talked about in an episode is anxious dating thoughts. And I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand with, for me at least, like my attachment style. Um, so I don't, for me, my attachment style is fearful avoidant. I recently learned this. Um, <laughs> and anxious dating thoughts are like my number one thing that I've been working on lately because I hate that. F- I hate the feeling of like when you first start dating somebody and you're like trying just understand where they're at, right? But, like, not everybody's, like, super communicative about that at the beginning, right? Because maybe they're, like, dating some other people at the same time. Maybe you're dating other people at the same time. Um, There's just, like, so much anxiety involved in, like, the beginning of dating somebody, I feel like. But I know you had an entire episode on this, so I'm curious what you have to say. Yeah, so I actually did it. I did a recent episode on anxious dating thoughts, very surface level. I did a whole episode on anxious avoidant as well, because that's a super interesting okay. attachment style to me, because it's combining two, which is really interesting. It's like you want a relationship, but you're you're nervous of of, of the whole concept. Um, or nervous is the wrong word, but um, you know, fearful in a, in a condition sense. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, attachment styles are one of those topics that you know, I will present the facts and then I'll move on because I'm not the guy to help people deconstruct their attachment styles. That is what therapy is for. That is what for breaking into your, your adolescent learning and your learned behavior in your childhood. I'm not that guy. Um, I'm not that guy. Uh, but, you know, when I think about attachment styles and I think about anxious thoughts and I think about all the different ways that I see people kind of derail themselves and self-sabotage themselves, not through their fault necessarily. Again, we're talking about conditioned behaviors. At a certain point, though, it does become an active versus passive mentality. And, and I did an episode recently where I just very matter-of-factly, I was just like, listen, we all have these anxious thoughts. I've been there, too. At a certain point, you know, hopefully you've done some inner work. So at least you could say, okay, I understand where it's coming from. At least there's a, the ability to do that. Um, that's a huge first step, right? Um, at a certain point, you had to, like, ask yourself, you have these anxious thoughts and you have something that you want, that you're working for, that you say objectively you deserve, namely a, a healthy relationship. You have to ask yourself, you know, what is stronger in your life? What is a stronger influence in your life? The anxious thoughts or your belief in what you deserve? Personally, I like giving myself like two options in instances because it just simplifies things for me. It's yes or no. It's left or right. And I find in those instances where I'm having those thoughts and I'm at the level where I'm self-aware enough that I'm having them and I could pause before I believe them to be true, I can say, what is stronger? My belief in what I deserve, let's call it love, let's call it partnership or these anxious thoughts I'm having. It works really well for me because I get fired up. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I've done all this work. I believe this about myself. I believe what I deserve in a partner relationship. I believe that so strongly. I'm not going to let these thoughts be stronger than them. And I just find in instances like that, all it does is it helps you push through. Because an anxious thought is only an effective, aka a debilitating anxious thought, if you allow it to hold yourself back. If you could push through it, that is how you get to what you deserve. And, you know, anxious thoughts are one of those things. They're, they're never really going to disappear. Like beating anxiety, beating uh, attachment styles, it, it isn't about like vanquishing those things. It's about learning what triggers them, being able to look at those thoughts and saying, okay, I see you, but I'm going to do this. I love the word despite because I think the word despite is the ultimate reflection of how we live as humans. Like you feel what you feel, but despite that, you do X, Y, Z. It will always be that way. We'll always feel anxious. We'll always feel imposter syndrome. The most successful 
wealthy, influential people I know always feel that. No amount of wealth, success, beauty will ever remove those things. You're going to feel it. You just get better at dealing with it. And in the case of anxious dating thoughts, I just come back to that question. In this moment, am I going to let an anxious thought be stronger than my belief in myself? Well, no, hopefully is the conclusion you arrive at. You might be very tempted to, to let it not be that. But if you can get yourself to that point, maybe you can use that no to kind of fire yourself up, to like stand up a little bit straighter, to not be so passive in that moment and to push yourself through whatever derailment is considering going on in your life, whether that's, you know, you know being anxious in how you communicate with this person, hiding yourself, um, let your overthinking get you, the best of you, of you, whatever it may be, coming back to a source of power is what we all need to do. And I think a question like that can be helpful in certain instances. So for me, that's worked really well. Yeah, I like that. I very much so used to get so wrapped up in those feelings when they would hit and not know what I was supposed to do to get myself out of it. Um, but obviously, like, as I've gotten older throughout the years of dating, I've gotten much better at when those happen to start redirecting my mind like you're talking about and being like, okay, let's think about this a different way and get our mind off the anxiety of it and remember that like we can walk away. It's not a big deal if this person – I also feel like I've talked a lot about this on our podcast recently too where if somebody makes me feel super anxious, I walk away now where I used to like stick that out and think that that was like a normal thing. Like, oh, this is just part of like building the relationship. And now I'm like, if you're giving me an anxious vibe 24-7, and I'm like, nope, I can't do this. I'm out. Because now I've like, I've met people that don't make me feel fucking anxious at all, you know? And so now I've had that experience of like, oh, that's actually a thing. Like I can find somebody that doesn't make me feel anxious and fearful and like freaked out all the time and like not knowing where their head's at. Like, so now it's like every time I start to get that feeling, I'm like, yes, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, because I mean, sadly, some people probably don't have that contrast that you have that you met people who don't make you feel that way. Some people have always felt that way or keep running into the same type mm -hmm. of people. So, you know, I think, you know, we don't know what's possible until we've seen or experienced or touched slightly what is possible. And that's why, like, anytime you get that, you've got to re reinvent your standard for yourself through that experience. I think, you know, the level of introspection you just described is super, super important on both ends, either a reason to stay, which is kind of what I was more leaning towards or a reason to go. So I think that that's a great compliment to that episode. Yeah. It took me dating a lot of people that made me feel anxious to get to that point. That's for yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> part of the old process. Then I, but yeah. yeah. But, you know, takes takes time. You all get there. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk with you two a little bit about just, like, modern dating. Haley's been married for a bit, so she's, you know, she's she hears all of my drama, but she doesn't really understand it because she hasn't experienced it herself. But, like, um, so first off, I'm curious. Are you, like, are you single? Are uh, no, you I'm, in a I'm, I'm in a relationship, yeah. Okay. Have you used the dating apps in the past? Oh, yeah. Big dating okay. app guy, for sure. Okay, so you can talk to me about this because yep. um, I go back and forth on this all the time, my feelings about dating apps. Um, are they positive? Are they negative? Sometimes I feel like they're helpful. Other times I'm like, this is a hot mess. I need to get out of here. I don't know what's happening anymore. This is overwhelming. Um, yeah, what are, what are your feelings about dating apps? <laughs> I have... I have very positive feelings about dating apps. Okay. Um, 
for, for two reasons, I guess. I mean, the, the first one is very practical. If you want to find your person, you have to date as many people as it takes to find your person. I mean, it's just sheer numbers, right? Of course, like you need to go on as many first dates as possible until you go on your last first date. So it's a, it's a, it's a time and resources thing. You need to find as many dates as you can. The best way to do that is through dating apps. Unless you're like an extremely social person and happen to put yourself in situations where you get asked out a lot or you can ask people out a lot, it just, uh, you know, you got to go fishing where the fish are. Uh, and that's on dating apps. So I just think from what you're trying to achieve, like once you said, I want to be in a relationship or I want to find someone, then it's up to you to put yourself in a position to find those people. I think dating apps fit the bill perfectly for that. So just like objective wise, I think it aligns very well. I think part two then though, is realizing that when you get on a dating app, we have to <laughs> set our expectations for what we're getting ourselves into. I find where a lot of the not, not necessarily the, ba the, the bad experiences, but the negative conclusions we get about dating apps and then the stories we keep telling ourselves and the stories we hear on social media uh, is that they're filled with dishonest people, catfish, all the negative mm -hmm. things, which they definitely are. And I just, <laughs> this sounds like a downer, but you should expect that going into it. You should expect matching with a bunch of dudes, maybe setting up dates with a bunch of dudes and then having 80% of them never follow up and actually have it happen. Like you should expect that because that's what happens. That's the reality of dating. You're putting all these people into a big pool and some people aren't ready. Some people are dishonest. Some people are this or that. It's going to happen. I find a lot of people give up very quickly on dating apps because of that very reason. Um, you see, you hear all the dating app horror stories on TikTok and you start to be like, oh, well, that's horrible. So I, I don't know. I just think there's a certain level of practicality and comfort that comes from knowing that it's, it's going to happen and that when it does happen, you can't take it personally as best you can and you should move on. Um, I think there's, you know, we can talk very practically about dating apps. I think there's some dating apps are better for relationships and some are better for hooking up. I think some dating apps actually provide some element of actual compatibility. But beyond that, I mean, I, I've, I always had good experiences with dating apps because the dating apps are literally there to set up a date, the first date, date one. Like the whole point is to be like, I find you attractive. You find me attractive. Maybe there's something more. Maybe you, ex you like the same music or maybe you laughed at the same joke. But beyond that, it's literally just a, a physical, I, you know, I agree. We're both attracted to each other. And that's, and that's that. And that's all you need. The purpose is to get onto the first date as, as fast as you can so you could actually judge uh, compatibility. Uh, I find a lot of people get very wrapped up in the talking on the dating app uh, stage and of course, it's easy for me to say because as a woman, you need to be safe and you need to you know, gauge, gauge that more than I, I suppose I would hold myself to that standard. But beyond that, it's about getting to that first date. And then from there, it's no longer a dating app thing. It's a person thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, I, I think, you know, uh, I think, of course, with dating apps, you're putting yourself into a position where people lie. People aren't being honest about what they want. You could say, I want something serious. They can agree, but they really don't. That's the human condition. You're going to find that within dating apps or without. But I think at the end of the day, if you're trying to find your person and you recognize that it's going to take bad dates and good dates, then I think dating apps are a great solution. As long as once you get onto that first date, you're looking for standards, you know, step one and step two standards. You know what you want. Um, you're willing to ask the tough questions. You're willing to ask the questions that cut through the bullshit. Um, and then from there, I, th I think it's on you. And the dating app just provided the means to meet someone new. I love that you talk about like utilizing it really as a tool because I feel like it would be so easy to get caught up in so many of the things on the dating apps. Um, 
but I feel like it really just boils down to like using it as a tool to get on a first date, like you said, and then going forward from there. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, That's what I have to remind myself of with the dating apps is like, you know, they're so easy to just, they're on your phone. They're right next to, you know, Instagram. They're so easy to just open and scroll through like you do on other social media stuff. And I find myself wanting to do that. And then I'm like, I don't even actually want to talk to anybody right now. Like, why am I even on this app? Like, if I was to match with somebody right now, like, I'm not sending a message because I'm not even really here to interact. Like, I'm just bored and I'm just scrolling. And so I have to stop myself from doing that because I get mad when guys on the dating apps do that to me. But then here I am, I'm doing the same shit back to them. And I'm like, all right, Jessica. Well, I mean, that's a great great self-aware mentality. I mean, yeah, I remember being on dating apps. Sometimes you just do it because you want the dopamine of, of, you know, someone saying they're attracted to you. Who doesn't want that? Of course it's nice. That's why I just think it's so important to go into it being like, yeah, it's going to be disappointing. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And that's par for the course. I just like, I'm very much at war with just like negative dating narratives where people are like, well, all men are pigs because the last three dudes I matched with on, on Tinder just wanted to hook up. Okay. Well, that was three out of how many, and also you're on Tinder and also this and also that like, <laughs> there's a lot of, lot of things at play. I just like, I just don't like us extrapolating a couple bad experiences to be representative of what's possible. And then same with social media. If you spend enough time on TikTok and you're, you're into the, the you know, dating story time on TikTok, you're going to think that every man is a cheating liar and every woman's a crazy gold digger because those are, those are the narratives that are just repeated. And the more you consume that, the more you're going to, that's going to be your worldview. But I think it's of course helpful to be practical and to be safe and to protect yourself, but to also leave a little room for what you believe in, (laughs) you know, a little bit of optimism goes a long way. But I think, I think dating apps are one of those things, you know, what you're getting into. I know so many people that have met, on dating apps that are happily married. Um, and I know people who haven't as well. It's just, you know, choosing what it like, what is your objective and honing in on that and everything else is just noise. And it's not going to convince you that there aren't good people out there. Um, you know, at a certain point it is a numbers game, which like kind of takes a little bit of the romance out of things, I suppose, but it's <laughs> the world we live in. I always have to remind myself too, like, it's so easy to like line up multiple dates in a short period of time with the dating apps because you have so many like people that you're scrolling through. Whereas like before dating apps were a thing, it wasn't as often that you would have a date option become available, right? Because it's like, oh, I have this friend that might want to meet you. And then you set up a date and it's like, it's, it's so much more rare to have those connections than here. These dating apps are just like, you want three dates this week? Sure. Go for it. Like, yeah. and then you see like negative results so much more often because you're going on way more dates. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> that's the downside of dating, of course. So like, it's going to be so interesting 50 years from now to look back on just like the psychological impact of dating. Cause it oh, means it's, grass is greener is is true is true to form on dating apps you're just a swipe away from another date and when you compare that to maybe in the past where yeah you went on dates somewhat more irregularly so you you tried harder you were more intentional maybe you're more Mm -hmm. open-minded maybe you compared less whatever it may be now yeah it's a swipe away you know if, if you know even if you like someone you could maybe find someone a little bit better like so that is the true downside and that's more yeah. of a, a societal issue than it is an application issue that's the the i mean that's the same with that's the the 
the, the negative symptom of social media as well. It's, it's always going to be that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a topic for someone smarter than me to actually look at, you know, social, you know, cultural impact. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of times it's like, sometimes I remember when I, when I dated, like, it was very easy for me to like take some of the intention out of things. Like if like I went on a date with a woman and we didn't really gel or, you know, she was like, ah, I'm talking to someone else. I was like, that's fine. Cool. Like, like just cause like, that's the mentality now. And you know, if someone didn't take the time to get to know me, I can't really take it that personally. Like you either rejected someone you didn't know, which, all right. So, or, you know, there wasn't a relationship there to begin with. Like I can stomach that much more than, you know, a relationship that ended. Um, and I think, you know, that happens a lot on social media. You have people who never really even gave each other a chance because of this new mentality. I don't have a solution for that, of course, but that's also something we have to recognize. That's something I think about often though, is like, the 50 years from now think seeing the psychological effects of the dating world now with like the apps and social media in general. Yeah, I don't know though. Cause I saw this stat. Let me see if I could pull it up. I had a screenshot cause I was going to share it. It was like something about, um, yeah, like, yeah, this it's related. According to the Washington post, the number of men under 30 who have never had sex has tripled in the last 10 years. So like, I like, cause which is, <laughs> It tr- I don't know what the, the number is now when it says it's tripled, but that's uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> and it just it just like it makes me think of why, because if you think of like dudes using dating apps to just hook up, you would think that that number wouldn't increase. So I don't know. It's just like so interesting to think about everything relationship wise, yeah. whether it's hookup culture or whether it's monogamy or whether it's the, the the age at which people are getting married or settling down now. It's totally in flux. And I would say dating apps you know, uh, social media has a, has a big hand in it. Um, but I don't think we'll truly know why for a while or to what extent. (laughs) So take that for what it's worth. (laughs) A lot of more, more virgins apparently, which is fine. Of course it's fine. Um, that's surprising though. You're right though. I would not have thought that, especially with like Tinder and all of those that are more so specific for just hooking up. Yeah, which is why sometimes my only conclusion, which isn't an exciting conclusion, I just say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you could use that as your soundbite. Case is being very helpful. It's okay. It's what I tell people too. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, okay. Haley, did you have any other questions for him? Before no. we let him go? All right. Well, before we let you go, we wanted to have you share where listeners can find you and follow you and get all of your amazing content, buy your journals, all of that. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I love talking about myself. So that was nice. And it was nice (laughs) to engage in a dialogue about topics that I'm interested in as well. So thank you so much. I mean that genuinely. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's uh, case.kenny on Instagram. Uh, Everything is linked there. The podcast is called New Mindset Who Dis, uh, newmindsethoodis.com if you're interested in the journals and uh, Zen Disco if you're interested in some music and mindfulness. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you being here so much. Um, You're actually our second male guest that we've had on this podcast, so we appreciate you for coming on. Thank you. (laughs) I hope I didn't disappoint. No, No, you didn't at all. (laughs) 